It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by InsideTexas.com publisher, Eric Nalin. Eric, uh, welcome to the show. What's going on, Bobby? Well, I figured we'd uh, touch on a few things today. I want to talk about uh, the latest commitment for the Longhorns, Tariq Milton, uh, joining the Longhorns receiver roster. I also want to talk about the defense a little bit because some que- people are questioning whether or not we think that the defense will improve, uh, as well as the linebacker, Diamante Tucker-Dorsey, who's visiting this weekend. And then I want to touch on some quarterback recruiting because there could be some news breaking uh, in the next uh, next several days, hours. We just don't know exactly when uh, about Alabama quarterback recruiting that could impact uh, Texas as well. Eric, let's start with Tariq Milton, the commitment mm. from Iowa State, a grad transfer. Only had 15 catches for 278 yards and three touchdowns a year ago, uh, but Steve Sarkeesian felt the need to go after a slot receiver as a, as a key backup, I think. Yeah, it's a common sense decision. You love to see it. Um, you know, obviously, there's a, they're heavily resourced, uh, allocated on the offensive side as opposed to the defensive side. But once you get beyond that, you just try to fill any hole you can. It's, it's late in the game. Uh, there's only so many options that you're going to have uh, at this stage. And so they saw a hole, especially with the three uh, wide receivers going into the transfer portal late, the miss on Jordan Addison, the uh, injury history with Jordan Winnington, which we think is not going to be a factor much longer, but uh, you still have to prepare for it. Um, and then Brendan Thompson is green and, uh, you know, true freshman. So why leave anything to chance to bring this kid in? He's tough. He's fast. Um, he's had trouble staying healthy himself, but uh, it's, it's high risk uh, or high, high reward and very little risk. Uh, Milton uh, himself is uh, out of Bradenton, Florida, 5'10", 195, was known for his speed, but had some injuries his junior and season, senior season that uh, fought, uh, you know, caused a little uh, dovetail in his uh, uh, production. Uh, but I, I'm looking at his overall numbers, Eric. Uh, as a freshman, he caught 34 balls for 417 yards. As a sophomore, quite a campaign, 35 catches for 722 yards. That's 20.6 yards per catch. That's quite a bit. Yeah, a lot of times it was just uh, making one guy miss, and he was off to the races. It was like a punt return. He's, he's, he's strong, so he's, you've got to hit him square. Uh, I think he's perfect to, uh, to, to get some snaps behind Whittington. You know, I don't have any illusions that he's going to overtake Whittington or anything like that, but um, shit, you know, I'm, I know he wasn't healthy last year, but he's exactly what you would have loved to see plug and play when Whittington went down last season. So it makes a lot of sense. I love to see it. It's just, um, you know, there's no reason to leave anything to chance. You know, it's like, uh, it's like money. You can't take it with you. You can't take the scholarship with you. You might as well, you might as well fill the roster out uh, headed into the season. You know, what's interesting. Um, I did some numbers chasing today on after the commit or last night, actually after the commitment, uh, and, you know, Texas ostensibly loses two primary pass catchers from last year's offense. Josh Moore, who they lost midseason uh, due to just, you know, him uh, basically not wanting to practice, it appears. And then, yeah, and then Marcus Washington, right? Those are the two that, that they lost in the offseason or during the season. Um, combined uh, in their career, they had a total of 86 catches, um, which is less than what Tariq Milton alone has. Um, 
Texas already added Isaiah Nayor, who had 44 catches a year ago. Uh, then you talk about Xavier Worthy, Ajay Hall, Jordan Whittington. Uh, and all of a sudden, the receiver group continues to look like a strength of this team. This is just, to your point, insurance, right? And pretty good one. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's the perf perfect complement to what the roster is lacking as far as uh, slot uh, depth. Uh, I think he has the right mindset. Comes from that five-star culture over there that uh, that 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 uh, oh, Matt Campbell's so fond of. Uh, so that should be a seamless fit. Uh, knows their playbook a little bit. They'll probably be talking to him a little bit more game week. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just you know I like the toughness over the middle. Make one tackle, miss tackler, miss, and then he's off to the race. He's got the speed to take it to the house. So uh, also could be a punt returner. Yeah, here, here's another thing I want to mention uh, and ask you about. Uh, I got into a conversation on the message board at Inside Texas uh, this morning a little bit uh, about one topic. Um, you know, the idea that we can't be sure that Texas is going to be improve on defense. Well, of course, no one can be assured, right? Uh, but they were talking specifically at linebacker. And I'm of the opinion that, you know, just another year of development and yeah. improvement and strength in a guy like Jalen Ford, who started last year and did look good in spots, was ranked higher uh, by pro football focus in their college division uh, than either Luke Brockmar-Briar or uh, DeMarvian Overshone. Jalen Ford's getting older. He's getting a year better. And then you have a guy like David Benda, who uh, is, is another guy that saw a lot more stats last year. He's adding uh, additional experience this year. And then DeMarvian Overshone, even if he is a guy that it, it, he washes out at linebacker completely, you still have Ford and Benda, who should be better than they were a year ago. Yeah, I agree entirely. Uh, but I, I think they're going to get a, a benefit of them uh, playing a better front up uh, in front of them. You know, I think it all starts stopping the run is, is the big problem that they had last season. Uh, they were okay in pass coverage. And I think they'll be really good in pass coverage this year. Uh, I think the whole whole back seven will be. Um, but it's, it starts up front. And, you know, once they start planning more Ojimo at, at defensive end and, and the other defensive tackles in front of them, their job becomes a lot easier. And I think they had too much uncertainty up front last year and, you know, all the reasons that we talked about and all the reasons that they needed O'Shawn Mathis. But I think that there's, they will be good up front. The, the biggest problem for me with linebackers is the same as the defensive line is how they're going to generate pass rush. But I feel pretty confident they're going to play the run a lot better. That doesn't mean they'll be great. Um, a lot of it was assignment soundness last year, which is goes to what you're saying. Just another year in the in the system is going to benefit them. Uh, that was something that we saw happen break down a lot as they got tired, mentally tired last year in the fourth quarter. Uh, they started to miss more simple assignments, assignments that they've been making that whole game. Remember that uh, Oklahoma State uh, fourth quarter, uh, Texas gained I think one yard in that game in that game, and then the, the defense was on the field uh, too much. So it's all complimentary. I think they're going to play better. The defense is going to be better. How much better? I don't know, but they're going to be better. Well, I mean, part of it goes to coaching, too. They were saying, oh, well, mm -hmm. somebody on the message was saying, oh, well, you know, I can't trust the staff to develop them. Jeff Choate is a linebackers coach at Texas. He didn't suddenly forget how to coach linebackers. Yeah, He's been doing it for 10 plus years. I mean, who didn't he just have a guy from Montana State drafted? At yeah, linebacker? I don't remember which round he went, but he was an unknown guy that went. <clears throat> he was a really good athlete, too. Um, yeah, I mean, Jeff Choate knows how to coach a position. Um the problem with the message boards, of course, is there's too many, there's too much pessimism and you kind of understand it. You know, that this guy didn't start off like this, this pessimist, whoever he is, I'm going to go find him. Um, but, you know, after year one, he was like, okay, we'll get it right next year. Year two, it's okay. It's going to be better. And then after, you know, his third coaching search, he's just beaten down. But, you know, a lot of, they, they stopped to make sense after a while. Um, they're going to play better defense than they did last season. I think that's pretty obvious.
Well, I don't mean to pick on that 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 individual. No, I poster. know it's it, it's 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 just a general fan. Yeah, it's they're yeah. on Twitter, not just inside Texas. They're yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, it's it's it, there's also there's unbridled optimism and unbridled pessimism, right? And right. so you have to find the middle ground somewhere because that's usually where the truth lies. Sure. Um, you know, I, I do look at the te- the stats from Texas last year, and you mentioned two things: um, total defense. Texas ranked number 100 last year, giving up 425 yards per game. But really the most telling stat of all, uh, one that uh, Oklahoma State led the country in a year ago, is sacks. Texas ranked 98th by comparison. Oklahoma State, I think, had 57 sacks. I think that's the number. Texas had 20. I need to go back and double check that. I may, I may be wrong, but I know Texas only had 20 and ranked 98th in the country. How are they gonna generate more sacks this year? If that is the problem, is it is it that sustained defensive front that you're talking about by moving Ojimo out? Is it bringing more safeties? What 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 is the what is the idea, Eric? Um, yeah, I mean, pass rush is, is definitely the biggest concern coming into the season. I feel confident they'll be better against the run. I think it's going a lot of it's going to be uh, being assignment sound on the edges and then letting the defensive tackles get upfield and flush the quarterback. I think there's going to be a lot of sacks like that that are just hurried, not not maybe individual efforts, but team. Uh, front four efforts where somebody flushes and somebody finishes. Um, and maybe that's a, a couple tackles behind the line of scrimmage by the linebackers that weren't necessarily on a stunt. Um, I think they're going to get help from coverage. Now, obviously, that goes a long way towards uh, an effective pass rush. It's not the pass rush that you're looking for that that creates turnovers. Uh, but if coverage is there, we're going to see some tackles for loss behind the line of scrimmage, I'm pretty sure. But there's not a lot of individual effort specifically on the edges uh, where you see most of your sacks. Uh, and especially if you're putting more more Ojimo outside, you're sacrificing some of that pass rush in order to stop the run. So pass rush is going to be the biggest question going into it. Hopefully they can find some shining star to know where uh, Jamon Tapp maybe could come in and, and third down roll. Uh, Ovi Agufo uh, might take another step in that. But I, pass rush, I don't have answers on that. It's going to be a question going in. But hopefully they get interior pass rush from guys like Alfred Collins, Byron Murphy, and Tavondre Sweat. Those guys can generate it. I want to mention this because I, when I was looking up that stat, I noticed something. Texas plays two of the top three teams in the country in sacks generated a year ago. Oklahoma State was one. Alabama was three. So just as we talk about who the quarterback is going to be for next year and as we talk about the Texas offensive line, yeah. keep in mind they've got some guys that are getting ready to come after them a little bit in the, uh, in the, the, the pa- or in the, uh, their own passing game, I guess. Um, we, we talked a little bit about linebackers. Diamante Tucker-Dorsey, a uh, transfer Grad transfer from James Madison is currently on campus. He goes about 5'11", 215, 220, uh, according to uh, James Madison's roster. Uh, what, are your, uh, what are your thoughts on that uh, recruitment at this point, Eric? Uh, well, on the recruitment, you know, we'll see how that plays out. I need to hear stuff after this official visit. I've been kind of, kind of concerned, or not, not concerned, that's not the right word, but I've been leery of whether or not North Carolina will, will offer um, – and, you know, a lot of portal candidates, uh, uh, portal transfers don't announce their offer. So it's very possible that he holds a North Carolina offer right now. And I don't know about it. Um, that would be a concern to me because he's got some built in ties. Obviously, North Carolina, that's their footprint where he's from. Um, as a player, he's not a plug and play surefire starter, but he can come in and compete and definitely play. Um, you know, he's an FCS All-American, but I'm not necessarily sure how that translates. Uh, the best thing for him is that he's, he's able to find the ball in the box and Texas has, you know, that's a missing piece to the, uh, to the roster, at least, uh, other than maybe Jalen Ford, Benda has the ability to do it, but he hasn't had the consistency yet. 
so he would definitely come in and start to uh, compete to start or play a lot, but I, he's not a surefire starter just because he was an FCS All-American. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel you. He visited Central Florida over the weekend, Texas right away, and we don't know if he's going to visit somewhere else. Texas is probably trying to get him or any Tariq Milton, for example, trying to probably get those guys on campus here in the next three to four days so they, they can start that, that summer session. I think it's May 31st, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, the new enrollees uh, arrive on the 30th, and then the whole team reports on the 31st, and I think the uh, actual workouts begin on the following day, the 1st. Okay. So, yeah, pressure's mounting. I mean, timing's coming up. Um, you know, Diamante said that he wants to, uh, to announce – by the end of this week but yeah we don't know exactly what's going on with this uh because there's there's been some interest from other schools old miss has shown some interest uh and emma showed some interest we're just not sure how much but um right now he's on campus at ut we know they're going to do a, a good job selling the program uh, a lot of the program aspects sell itself uh playing time is there these guys are kind of mercenaries they want to be able to go to a place where they know that they can compete um and obviously like there's a reason we're talking about linebacker issues right now he knows that he can come in and compete for sure Yep. Um, moving on. Uh, Inside Texas broke the news late last week that Arch Manning would be visiting Texas uh, June 17th through 19th, or at least that the, that 48 hour window or so. Uh, then on three, uh, uh, pushed the news out that he'd also got set up visits to uh, both Georgia and Alabama as well. Those are the three teams we've been saying that were involved in this race pretty much from the get go. Eric, you've led the way on that uh, uh, recruitment is from a from a coverage standpoint. Uh, but you're hearing now that Alabama could be getting ready to to take another quarterback in this recruiting class, Eli Holstein, who once was committed to Texas A&M out of Louisiana. It looks like he may be pledging to Alabama sooner rather than later. What what is what do you make of all of this? And, and what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, this kind of ties into what I'd been reporting, even though, you know, you never discount Alabama. I'd had this as a really a two horse race for a while. I thought that Georgia had had trumped Alabama. Georgia does have some crossover appeal and that it has the football aspects of, of Alabama that Arch is looking for. But then it also has sort of the college uh, aesthetic aspects that he's looking for as well. You know, that college campus life and uh, quality academics and that sort of thing. So I've, I've, I've been watching Georgia more closely than Alabama for the last two months or so. Uh, I think Saban probably is feeling the same way. And that's why he started pushing for Holstein and Holstein is a fantastic prospect. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, the, the quarterbacks at the top in this class are stellar. Uh, there's just a number of them and I don't fault them. Um, you know, Alabama doesn't need Arch Manning as much as, as Steve Sarkeesian does at this point. Um, you know, they don't necessarily need the recruiting bounce that comes with Arch Manning because <laughs> they are their own recruiting bounce year in and year out. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, Holstein is going to be a, a, a the Crimson Tide uh, or commit by the end of today. Um, oh, by the end of the today, you think maybe as soon as as soon yeah, as I today. That's most likely. This will. I feel comfortable saying that because this will be up uh, later in the afternoon. Oh wow. Okay. Um, what does that do to Arch Manning in Alabama? Does he still take the visit? You don't know. Well, see, that was always curious to me when they uh, scheduled both of them to be on that uh, big Alabama weekend on the 10th and 12th of June. 
um, right then and there, I started to think that, all right, because I knew Holstein was already leaning that direction. I think it was pretty much not a secret to anyone. Um, but, you know, much of recruiting is leverage and that, you know, having, having Manning on campus is going to get just a little trepidation. If you go to, if you go to look at a house and you see a couple leaving right as you go to look at it, you're going to start thinking about going full price. Uh, you're going to go all the way in. Leverage is a beautiful thing when it's on your side and it's absolutely terrifying when you don't have it. Um, and Alabama, I think, has it. And the Holsteins are very astute when it comes to recruiting. And I think that they don't want to miss their chance. Um, Eric uh, Nalene of Inside Texas. This is this week's uh, state of the program. Eric, uh, one more question before I let you go here today. Uh, what did you make of the, the Jimbo Fisher slash Nick Saban uh, brouhaha last week? Oh, man. You know, there's certain times on the internet, it's just fun to be on the internet. You know, it's like, oh man, this thing is blowing up. Unfortunately, I was driving to Alabama. So my phone's going haywire with all these texts. Like, what are these hayseeds talking about? You know, what? A, just stop talking is what they're saying. I wanted them to keep talking. I was trying to get an audio feed of it. Oh man. I mean, from an entertainment value, it's tough to beat. It's why we love college football. It's just ridiculous. Um, this is like two, uh, two uh, NASCAR racers fighting in the pit crew after the race. You know, you see that once or twice a year. It seems like it's just total nonsense. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think it's Nick Saban uh, kind of trying to police, uh, trying to police the SEC because, you know, the old ways of policing the SEC aren't necessarily going to work. Uh, and, you know, I don't know that I don't know that the new way is going to work either. Uh, we'll see how I don't think I don't think. Um, I don't think Alabama or AM is going to hit the brakes on this class. You know, the old adage is, you know, there's a speed limit in, in the SEC that's a little different than anywhere else, but they do police that limit. And, you know, last year, I think AM acted like they're on the Autobahn. Uh, and so that, that rankled uh, Nick Saban and pretty much a, a, everyone else. But, you know, it's bad when Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin over there at Ole Miss are, are raising hell. Lane Kiffin is Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach together in one state is too much. <laughs> I mean, the, those two yeah. now Leach has not said anything to my knowledge about about this. Even Steve Spurrier chimes in with did did Nick Saban say anything wrong? Um, you know, my my question and, and this needs to be said, uh, Jimbo Fisher comes back and says, well, only one of our 12 early enrollees or 11 early enrollees. I can't remember which has an NIL deal. And that that's interesting in and of itself, because that would be counter to what we think is has occurred um and so let's let's see how this plays out if there is any enforcement at all or interest uh in investigating by the ncaa i haven't heard of anything um uh i don't know if uh texas a&m has been notified of anything so i i feel like nick saban came out uh and then apologized afterwards but didn't really say that that he said i'm sorry for singling somebody out but right. didn't really say it was wrong. Um, and, and I just wonder, you know, where we're headed with this. Uh, we, we will definitely be following, following it, but I agree with the NASCAR pit uh, comparison. I think that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. Nick Saban's on the opposite end of those living rooms. So he knows when he's losing guys to A&M, he's like, what in the hell? It's like when a pitcher throws his best stuff against a roided up Barry Bonds or, you know, Mark McGuire or whatever, you know, it's like, Nobody ever hits that, you know, how did, or they hit it, they don't hit it that far. They know that pitcher knows that there's something else going on on this. Uh, Alabama's on the other end of that pitch right now, which is uh, very unique to them. And I'm, I'm not sure Nick Saban's handling it all that gracefully, but it's, uh, it's pretty amusing to me. Yep. Um, anything else you need to add uh, as we look forward to this week? Kids coming in, uh, be in uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, new recruits, be on campus here within the week. 
Yeah, no, that's the most exciting aspect to me. You know, I mean, we'll be covering everything else. Uh, you know, June official visits are going to be uh, fast approaching. Obviously, it's uh, June is backloaded as far as visits go, but I'm excited to uh, to get the freshmen on campus because that's another uh, jolt of optimism for those pessimists a little bit. And then it's fun to talk about them again uh, and kind of re revisit the expectations that they have as freshmen. All right, Texas adds Tyreek Milton, uh, wide receiver from Iowa State as a grad transfer, uh, 5'10", 195 uh, pounds. Uh, he comes in. He will uh, probably back up Jordan Whittington in the slot, provide much-needed depth, uh, and give some time to, for development of both Brennan Thompson, the true freshman, as well as Jaden Alexis, who is still recovering from injury. Uh, we also talked a little bit about the, the linebacker situation, Diamante Tucker Dorsey uh, out of James Madison on campus this weekend, as well as uh, the Alabama quarterback situation that could actually impact uh, the Longhorns in the long run. All right, for Eric Nalin of uh, Inside Texas, this has been Bobby Burton uh, for this week's State of the Program.